Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the live Four Finger Discount podcast featuring Briggs. We're going to kick things off with a little tune just to get us all in the Simpson spirit, and then we'll kick on with the podcast. Just to let you know. You could close down Moe's or the Quickie Mart And nobody would care But the heart and soul of Springfield's in our maze on Terry Where the sauce on your steak Where the cheese in your cake we put the spring in Springfield With the lace on your nightgown The point after touchdown Yes, we put the spring in Springfield Where that little extra spice that makes existence extra nice A giddy little thrill at a reasonable price Our own major quarrels with your total lack of morals Our skimpy costumes ain't so bad They seem to entertain your dad Where the gin in your martini, the clams in your linguine. Yes, we put the spring in Springfield. We remember our first visit. The service was exquisite. Why, Joseph, I had no idea. Come on now, you are working here. Without it, we'd have had no fun. It's March of 1961. To shut them down, that would be twisted. Everybody, we just heard this. Place existed Where the highlights in your hair do The extra arms on Vishnu So don't take a We won't take a Yes, let's keep the in Springfield. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Please give it up. Thank you. A uh, round of applause for boats. the impossibly tall musical stylings from Springfield. Uh, thank you very much for coming out tonight to the first ever live Four Finger Discount podcast and then tacking it on with the trivia night. The way this is gonna run, myself and Dando are gonna have a chat with Briggs for a little while. For people that don't know Briggs, massive star of the Australian hip hop scene and current, or currently working on The Weekly with Charlie Pickering and Tom Gleason and Judith Lucy and a writer on Disenchantment, the show on Netflix that I'm sure you've all seen and are all fans of. Uh, I'm gonna bring out my co-host, the main man who got this entire podcast started and dragged me over to his bedroom every week. Brendan Dando, big round of applause. Hello, everybody. So many people here, Mitch. That's amazing. I'm scared. Now, this is the first podcast we haven't started with the immortal words, so I actually don't feel like I'm ready for this. So, if you will. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week, we're here to interview Briggs. I am Dando. I am Mitch. There we go. Is anyone here? So, people who actually do listen to our podcast or are just here for the trivia? Raise your hand if you actually listen to our podcast. 
That's amazing. A lot of people. That's a really big number. That's more than I thought. Yeah. Well, I, thank you for coming out. And thank I you thought for listening I'd to the show. I actually met all of them. What's that? We, we, said, we spoke to two or three people. I was like, well, that's everyone. Surely. Yeah, exactly. That'll be, exactly. The, whole, that'll be the whole group. Um, the music that you guys heard at the top of this show was from Bodes. Yeah. Bodes is going to be up a little bit later between this and the actual trivia. He's got about half an hour set to play, which is going to be amazing. We want to hear all you guys singing along with that. Uh, but shall we get him out here? The man himself, let's do it. The man that we're all here for. Here he is. Here he is. paying attention. Big round of applause for Briggs, please, everybody. Shall we sit? Yes. Let's have a seat. You take the middle, sir. Okie dokie. Now, Briggs. Hello. Hello, everybody. That's how you get the party started. Now, Briggs, I mentioned before, you've had a really, really great run, say, over the last five or six years with some massive success in your career. Correct. I want to know, between, you know, Triple J, between charting in the iTunes for hip-hop, between working on Disenchantment, does any of that compare to this moment in your career, (laughs) Conan O'Brien holding an umbrella for you in the rain? What was going through your mind as that photo was being taken? Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to gram this. <laughs> Instantly. Yeah, it was, it was a rainy day. And did you ask him to get the umbrella or did he just offer it to you? Uh, no, I asked him, will you hold this? <laughs> <laughs> and he obliged because like, he had other people holding his and he, like, he was like, he didn't want anyone to take a photo. Like, he was like, oh, if someone sees me having an umbrella held over me. He's quite tall, too. He's a quite a tall individual. You know, it would be such a bad look in the media yeah. to have an umbrella. I said, well, it would really work for me <laughs> as part of my bit. So, um, and then he was like, I'll hold one for you. I was like, fantastic. He did it. And then, um, yeah, we got a photo for life. Where That's were you at that point? Uh, why why we were, were you with Conan? Oh, he was um, interviewing me for his uh, No Boundaries. No yep. Borders? Yep. Kind of no no borders. borders? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm horrible at that. Like, I'm the worst <laughs> for names. I was interviewed by Conan for the Jangle No Boundaries show. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, he interviewed me. We were in Sydney at the time. I went to his show the night before. Um, we caught up and, and, yeah, we just chopped it up because, obviously, the, the connection through... Working with disenchantment, and then he um, he drew because I've got like I've got like portraits like all over my I, you can't see because of my massive intense genetic potential I've put into my calves, <laughs> but I've got like a Macho Man Randy Savage and oh yeah and other ooh, yeah, and other um, you know rappers and whatnot yep. over my legs, and he he'd said to me like you know you're a comedy writer. So I must be some kind of god to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did write your favourite episode of all time, did he not? Yeah, correct. He definitely did. Homer Goes to College. That's my favourite for sure. But um, he he did a portrait on my um, on my foot. Conan did. Yeah, and then he um, I got it tattooed. That all the people down the front can see. People up the back just know that it's like it's amazing. It's really cool. 
and not at all odd. <laughs> but yeah, he did that. Yeah, he, he wrote my favourite Simpsons episode, Homer Goes to College. So I was talking to you before we did the show, and you said season four is your favourite season. Season what four and five, yeah. I think. What, what are your first memories of watching The Simpsons? Like, what does The Simpsons mean to you? What does it remind you of? It was everything, man. Like, that was what we had the, I had on videotape, like, taping all those, all those episodes of watching and re-watching. Cutting out the ads. No, nah, I was never good at cutting out the ads. <laughs> I, I remember I tried to do it once, ruined it, missed half an app, never did it again. <laughs> so I was just learning advertisements as well as learning episodes. You were ahead of your time because later Channel 10 would start doing that for you by playing outro music over the final punchline before <laughs> yeah, an ad break. Bless them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it was just always a constant. You know what I mean? Like, I was talking to, to Matt, um, Matt Groening about it and just saying... Just casually like, chatting to Matt Groening? Yeah. Just talking to my mate, Matty or Matto. If someone in the front <laughs> table could count the name drops along this interview, that'd be excellent. Yeah. And, if, and if you get the name drops correct, you get a prize. <laughs> From Briggs, not us. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I said, like, kids these days grow up not knowing what life is like without Wi-Fi. Simpsons was my Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like, I don't remember, really remember, like, not having it. Like, I know it existed, like, a, a tiny bit before it, but I don't remember it not ever being there. I said this before, <laughs> The Simpsons was like my best friend when I was a kid. I wouldn't say that because I had actually, I had some good friends. I, had a, <laughs> I didn't. I had a life and stuff. It was fantastic. I had, you know, lots of great, you know, activities and lots of great memories outside The Simpsons. So yeah, I had the best of both worlds, but that's really cool too. I never left there. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about is there a direct correlation between watching The Simpsons growing up in Shepparton to actually working in comedy now? Like, do you think one would have existed without the other? No, nah, well, who's to say, man? Like, it's just like my world was so entranced by, you know, that, that TV show and how, like, how much of that was, was just always in my life to the point where, like, you know, quotes are just... I've got to stop and hold back from doing Simpsons quotes like in real life because people think I'm weird. <laughs> These non sequiturs. Do you find that you like people less when they don't understand your Simpsons references? Tiny bit, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like the sheen comes off. It's like, oh, you don't, you don't know that. I was like, all right, well, moving on. But, yeah, like, it, like I really got into it I remember, like, when the DVDs come out, mm. I watched every season up until the point of whatever season was out. I watched every season on, um, with the director's commentary on. So good. That was my first time I ever heard of what an audio commentary was, was the Were. Simpsons DVDs. Yeah. So, like, I did that, and then I, I was, like, learning who wrote what, who did what. Yep. You know what I mean? What and all you've the worked names with them. Yeah, and then, like... And, and that's what worked in my favour to weasel my way <laughs> into, you know, working with, with all my, you know, heroes and stuff. Because, mm. like, you know, cause like it's, it's not by accident. I've definitely manipulated that situation <laughs> to yeah. my favour yeah. by knowing, you know, I was, I was card counting, really, yeah. you know, by watching, watching The Simpsons with the commentary on. But, um, 
that's how it started, like with, you know, meeting um, Josh Weinstein and stuff. He followed you on Twitter, correct? That's how it all yeah. snowballed from there, yeah. Yeah, he followed me on Twitter and I was like... What was the tweet that you put out that made him want to follow you, do you think? I can't remember, because I was like, it must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, like, he, he liked my music and stuff. And I, I sent him some comedy stuff that I'd written. And I was still like, is this the actual Josh Weinstein from The Simpsons? Because I was like, this was early days of Twitter too, right? And I figured like my mates were jeeing me up. Like that was like, <laughs> it was like at, some, at some point there was big reveals like, ha ha. Would those people ever there do that to you? Uh, they would try, but not any longer. Look at them. They can't even dress properly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you, you, you saw that he followed you They weren't you on even Twitter. paying attention then, and I took shots. It's fantastic. You saw that he followed you on Twitter, and what did you do? You... Yeah. <laughs> you followed him back, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. And then we started chatting, and I was like, the whole time, I was like, is this really... I was like, is this actual Josh Weinstein from The Simpsons? And then I just started just bombarding him with fucking nerd questions just what's it like riding for groundskeeper Willie? you know what I mean stuff, <laughs> stuff like that who's your favourite you know what I mean like favourite episode go now and like he was like more than he was more than happy to reciprocate which I found even a little bit more weird as well, well. see I, I found that from our dealings with people who work on the show is that everyone who works on the show loves working on the show and they love the fans of the show as well don't they they've yeah, got time man, for everybody it's, it's like I, I thought they'd be over it but they're not they're still super keen and I was like wow you, I've got much more disdain than you guys and you guys have been, I need to check myself because you guys have been doing it way longer than I have but like that's how it started to the point where like Josh was like because I, I just because he, he wrote my, my favourite joke as well, Sex Cauldron. Okay, yep. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> they were having S-E-X in front of the C-H-A-R-D-R-E-N. <laughs> Sex Cauldron. <laughs> so, like, my Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi at home is the Sex Cauldron. <laughs> 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 Nothing else goes on there. So he asked the Wi-Fi. So how does Josh ask you to join the show, like Disenchantment? How does that happen? I travelled to LA because I was just doing um, other music stuff, okay, just working, yeah. and, and we caught up and had, like, had lunch in Los Angeles. Like, this is after all the Twitter and email correspondence and stuff. And um, He sent me like a box of stuff as well, like scripts and all this other mouth-watering like old nerd paraphernalia that o you all love. Scripts. Wow. <laughs> Sorry? Like older scripts? Yeah, like table wow. read scripts. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, I know what it's worth. And then, um, and then I met him in um, LA, and he was like, yeah, so we're working on this, um, we're working on this new show with, um, with Matt, and, you know, would you like to be involved? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, mate. I'll see, I'll see what you're going to pencil you in around doing... Fuck all and make it rap music and then more fuck all sandwich between. And yeah, he was like, Do you want to get involved? And I was like, All right, bet, let's go, let's get it. And then we'll back and forth. And like every two weeks, I was like, Is the show ready yet? 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 Until he was like, Yes, it's ready. And then, and then I was just like, Man, Jordan, shut the fuck up. And then, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pete, go grab your mate. 
Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, he um, like he got me over, and while I was I was checking out the writers' room and all the plot stuff, and they gave me an episode, and I went home. I come back to Coburg, yep. and I wrote it. So you wrote it from here and just kept sending it back to him back and forth, okay? Yeah, I just wrote it. I wrote it once, yeah. Okay. I come back home. I lock myself away. Put tissue boxes on my feet. <laughs> and, and, and I wrote my episode. Season two or was it season one? Yeah, season two. It's weird because yep. like Netflix split it, right? Yeah. So season one is really 20 eps. That's how animations work, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, yeah, like my episode's like in the, in the second half. Second half. So yeah, season, season two for everyone playing at home. So I'm curious with the writing process. So Disenchantment obviously has more of a arc than anything that Matt had really worked on before. Yeah. Uh, how does that change the, the, the way a writer has to attack a script? Like it's presumably not enough to just go, well, here's some ideas and it doesn't matter if this is never referenced again. You've kind sure. of got to do stuff that fits into a, a grander story. Yeah, well, the, it is about the arc, you know what I mean? When we're, when we're working on it... Um, the most important thing is that the characters do, like, like even though they're ogres and they're elves and they're, you know, it's this magical world, that they do real human stuff. Like, that's always Matt's um, and Josh's um, first and foremost, um, is that they have to do real things and have real emotion um, behind um, their actions and, and, and everything they do. So, like, it, it's different in the sense of, like, it still has to be funny. Yeah. But the, um, like, it, it's not about just trying to jam as many gags and jokes in as, as much as possible as it is to, to really create like this. And, and, like, the response to the first season was people really liked those, yeah. you know, the stories where the characters were invested. You know what I mean? And they were really um, developed, you know, within that story. Yeah. So, like, you're really just trying to write the best version of that and punching it up with as many jokes without feeling too hammy, you know what I mean? Like, you're just trying to fit as many jokes in as tastefully as possible. Yeah. How many drafts on your script? I'm curious if that you've, you've said before that it was like going to sit at the sit at an NBA table and you've got Rodman and Jordan and Pippen and those guys. Yeah, like there's, you know, David X. Cohen and then there's, you know... Um, Bill. Bill and Josh. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Groening's yeah. at the head of the table. So your first script, are you a bit timid in that scenario or did uh, well, you just go all out? Yeah, when I was first in the room, you know, at first I was like... Because I was jet-lagged as well. <laughs> I was like, fuck, it's a bit hectic, everyone here. And, like, Matt walked in. In Burbank, was it? Sorry? Burbank? No, nah, this was in Malibu. Okay. We're at, we're at this, like, this place in Malibu. Mm -hmm. And, like, there was, like, a skylight. And then I was, you know, tapping away at my laptop. And this hand comes across the screen. I look up, and it's Matt, and he's, like, silhouetted by the by the skylight oh. looking very evangelical <laughs> like he planned it I think that's why he goes there <laughs> so he can make his first impressions count at every moment it's like Indiana Jones he walks in at that exact time of day to know yeah, that yeah, the sun yeah. will like be he, there like, yeah, he knew what yeah. he was doing yeah. 
He was very aware. No, but it like, and so like you're in there and it's like you, it's like, what the, what are you going to do? It's like you can either sit there and be scared and shut up or you just jump in and start and pitch some jokes. <laughs> Did, didn't you name drop an episode or a quote or something and Matt didn't quite appreciate it? No, Matt liked it. Okay. But I never did that again. <laughs> I, um, it was when, um, when Bart keeps answering the door and he gets punched in the face. Yeah. But Mr. Simpson, if you not open the door, I cannot give you your special delivery. <laughs> that was the exact quote I did. And I was like, you're an idiot. You just fucking quoted the Simpsons at the... Creator. You know, disenchantment table in front of the creator of The Simpsons. <laughs> but he looked at me and he was like, good. <laughs> and I was like, fucking lucky break. Never, lesson learned, never do that again. How was it writing for characters on Disenchantment that you'd never seen before? Yeah, that was the hardest bit. Like, I'd seen sketches, but they changed. Mm. But the hardest part was I hadn't heard their voices. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you know how Mo yeah. sounds and the kind of disdain Mo has for yeah. life. And, and the cadence, not like, yeah, the, yeah, the actual delivery. Yeah, and like, you know, Krusty and, and whoever. So you, you know how all these different characters sound. So the hardest part was, was like um, trying to, you know, navigate that, trying to write for these characters that... You weren't really sure on on how they sounded. Like you, you could understand their attitude, but it, it wasn't until I went to a table read and and heard like Billy West and and, and John DiMaggio mm. and Nat Faxon and, and everyone else start doing the voices. Yeah, it was also like, ah. Now I get it. He sounds yeah. like he's from Jersey. I yeah. get it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was the hardest part. Like not seeing them is one thing, but not being able to hear them. Especially when you're writing, it's much more difficult. Yeah. What's the comparison from your point of view between writing a joke and seeing someone like a Billy West and a John DiMaggio perform that, like absolute gods when it comes to voiceovers or voice artists, as opposed to your own work, writing a song, performing the song and being in charge of the way that delivery actually comes out? Yeah, it's, it's completely different, I think, because like, you know, when I write a song... Or, or stuff for me, like it sits with me, you know, until I perform it live. So it's, I'm, I'm forever churning it over in my head and, and working it and, and, you know, how it runs is, is up to me. But um, like when you're writing for somebody else, especially it's a little bit different because, you know, Australian comedy is different from American comedy. So you, you're kind of writing for like a little bit of an international audience but also like a predominantly American audience mm -hmm. and so like to hear um, these you know these guys do the do the script and performance it's pretty bananas man to hear. and then like to watch it like a, a first grade of it come to life and you know uh, but the, the the biggest trip was after um, after I'd watched it and and Matt was like, what do you think? And I was like, there was a couple of things I didn't like. And I was like, ah. Do I say it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, ah. That's where you say it was interesting. That's Hollywood speaking, yeah. right? I didn't like yeah, but it. that was the whole point. It's like, ah, oh, man, he hired me to do a job, so I've got to do the job. So I had to say, like, 
I wasn't feeling this, this, and this. Which, and what, what was that, it in particular? Can you tell I can't tell you. I'm not allowed. I almost slipped. <laughs> I almost slipped and told you the secrets. But yeah, it was like stuff that I was like, I can't, I don't like this, I don't like that. Can we change that? And they're like, oh, yep, cool. Was it a visual thing, was it? Everything. There was yep. a few things. Just, yep, yep. But it was just like, but, you know, to tell these dudes who, like, you created your, like, universe of comedy, it's mm. like, eh. Do I have a right to say eh, this? Yeah. Could be a little bit better. <laughs> and then, the, but they were like, yeah, okay, cool. Yep. I was like, but that's what it's like working with professionals, you know, that they all agreed. And if, if I've seen everyone else's, um, you know, apps or that, they ask, you know, I was like, oh, that cut should be a little bit quicker. You know, editing and stuff like that. That's funnier. Yeah, yeah. How do you take criticism yourself? So when they first sent back what they thought about it, how did you take it? You shut your mouth! Had <laughs> <laughs> it up to here, Greg. Yeah. Had it up to here with your rules. <laughs> nah, um, right, what are you going to do? It's like, when, when you're in that world, man, you just have to, you just have to um, accept it and change it. Because like, yeah. like, they don't want to make the show suck. So when they, you know, bring something to you to, um, that could be better, mm. like these guys know what can be better. So, you know, you just take it on board and adjust where needed. Was there ever a point they gave you some, not criticism, but just said, well, oh, this could be different or better in some way. You didn't quite understand or agree with them and you approached them about it? Was there ever a moment of um, like that? Yeah, sometimes, man. Like you get notes back on a script from... <laughs> from Josh and like one of the notes on one part will be just like make that funnier <laughs> alright yeah, it is it is isn't it <laughs> like make that funnier I'm like oh fuck it alright I will yeah. and like but like I, I appreciate that kind of direction too yeah you know what I mean like there's no there's no oh geez, maybe if you could you know think about you know maybe changing this a little bit or you know if you wanted it's just like make that funnier do it yeah yeah change that this yeah. is this is good, this is funny, not funny, funny. <laughs> um, Matt, obviously through Futurama, they were really big on slipping Simpsons references into Futurama. Have you been able to get any past them for Disenchantment? Um, it's, it's really hard because you, you, you don't want to be too on the nose with it. Yeah. So it's like... But like, I, th I think there's, a, there's always like little nods in, in the dialogue and stuff like that that we write and... Because like you don't want it to be too on the nose and be like... Cause, especially because the, the, where it's set, you, you, like, it, it's not really... You, I, I don't know if it's in the you past. A, you can't have a tavern. Yeah, like, the other thing is like, oh, I'm not 100% sure if it's in the past or like a whole another parallel universe or whatever. And like all the stuff that they're cooking up I don't know if they know <laughs> either. So, but like, I know I've seen like bits and pieces of like um, Disenchantment in the new season of Simpsons and stuff like that, which is really dope. Yeah. And it's just like, it's man, it's like it's such a cool, cool job. Like, and especially like when when you're writing that episode and you're just trying to make the best episode or the best story, I should say, and continue the story and make that you know, the best, you know, journey for the characters. You're not really, you're not really thinking about how can I slip, how can I slip Poochie in here, you know? <laughs> no one's ever thought about how to slip Poochie <laughs> like, in yeah, anyway. I'm going to slip Poochie in here. But <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, 
So, you, yeah, and you leave that up to, like, the masters, you know, yeah. who, who, like, do all the, all the art and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Can you give us any word on when season two is going to be dropping on Netflix? Oh, bro, Netflix is so shady, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you never know. And, like, the things they know about you. Yeah. Jeepers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me specifically, have they been talking? <laughs> Bro, 100%. That Grinner guy's been watching that dog documentary <laughs> yeah. non-stop for the last six Man. months. All the, all, the things they, all the things Netflix knows about everyone in this room, jeepers. They know what you're ordering, everything. I promise. What questions you got wrong, your fears. That's <laughs> a, all those algorithms make up all the pictures you see when you log in. <laughs> well, before we wrap up this... You sent through to us your top five episodes. So I'd just love to know what the crowd thinks of Briggs' top five. So, for number five, we have... Oh, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> that was my cue. Yeah. It's Homer's Enemy at number five. Total professionalism over here. Homer's Enemy, round of applause for Homer's Enemy. Good old grimy. Uh, number four was The Cartridge Family. Yeah, Homer gets a gun. Mm. Yeah. Pretty controversial Classic. episode, that one. Underrated. Yes, very underrated. We just reviewed that one. Very good yeah. episode. You don't want the King of England coming around. <laughs> Do you? Huh? No. <laughs> now, number three, one of my favourites, You Only Move Twice. Yep. Hank Scorpio. Yeah. That was my argument. Hank Scorpio is the best one-time character ever. That's, he's my favourite. Yeah. Uh, if, if I would give anything to work with Brooks at one point in, in I, my life. I, I asked Josh a lot of questions about him, and he does not stop. Yeah. Al Brooks is a genius. Yeah. And a maniac. Number two. Is this from season three or season four? Camp Krusty. Four. Three. Four? Camp Krusty's four. Yeah, yeah. Camp Krusty. It ain't getting any safer. <laughs> you broke nothing. <laughs> Mr. Black. Mr. Black. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we briefly mentioned before, written by Conan as number one, Homer goes to college. Hello, that sounds like a pig fainting. <laughs> <laughs> one of the all-time great one-liners. That's the best. <laughs> um, so we'll kick on so we can get Bodes back up here to sing a few songs, and then later Briggs and I are going to run through the trivia for everyone, which is going to be awesome fun. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you so much for your time and for Cheers, your insight. Man. It's really awesome that Twitter can find someone a job, and just being a fan of a show can find someone a job. Fantastic, yeah. It's really excellent. Big Put round your hands of applause Briggs. Briggs. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mr. Bodes, where are you? All right, so we'll get, we'll get Bodes back up here. Now, just while Bodes is setting up, shout out to Rosie on the music box up in the Put back. Put your hands together for Rosie in the sound booth. And a, a big thank you to my wife, Ash, and her friends, Danielle and Cara, who saw you all to your seats and got you Anyone who listens to the podcast would know Ash. She's been on the show a few times. My wife, Nicola's at home with the baby, Elliot, unfortunately. Nicola doesn't exist. She's an actress that we hire for the couple Christmas episodes that we do. Ash is indeed real. <laughs> Alrighty, Bodes, here he comes. Are we good to take it away, Bodes? All right, go. excellent. Thanks As again I for said, coming, guys. Stay tuned for trivia. voices ready. Some men hunt for sport, others hunt for food The only thing I'm hunting for Is an outfit that looks good 
See my vest made from real gorilla chest. See this sweater, there's no better than authentic Irish setter. See this hat, it was my cat, my evening wear vampire bat. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino, grizzly bear underwear. Turtles necks, I've got my share. Beret of poodle on my noodle, it shall rest. Try my red robin suit, here comes one breast or two. See my vest, see my vest, see my vest. Like my loafers, former gophers. It was sad or skin, my chauffeurs. But a greyhound for a tuxedo would be best. So let's prepare these dogs. Kill two for a matching car. See my vest, see my vest, oh please, won't you see my vest, my vest. I really like the vest. <laughs> <laughs>